Witches, wizards and muggles. Such an honour it is to welcome you to... Renovate, a Harry Potter TCG revival podcast. With your host, Doug, Nona and... Thanks, Dobby, and welcome everybody back to another episode of Renovate, a Harry Potter TCG revival podcast. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-hosts, Mona Morrissey and Emilio Emilio Soto Soto, and we have a very special guest today. It's an interview episode. Um, we have Sammy DeSalvo. How's everybody doing? Let's uh, first start with Emilio, go to Mona, and then to our guest. Cool. I'm here. I'm present. <laughs> In the middle That's of a pandemic, good. trying to graduate. And yeah. without a job. So I'm doing great. Fantastic. Mona, how are you? Well, I'm doing great also. And Emilio, you are doing great. You're kicking ass. You're doing everything you need to do. And you, <laughs> I think last week or whenever we recorded last, you had the same response. And so I'm on your side, man. <laughs> Whatever you need from me, just please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. And how about our guest? How are you doing, Sammy? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, it's it's like 70 plus degrees here for the first time in six months. So I'm yes. doing amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. feel that in my heart and soul. But this is an exciting episode to have a guest on for the first time. We're going to be asking our guest, Sammy, a bunch of questions because he is, in fact, a member of the Harry Potter revival team. Uh, do you want to give our listeners kind of a pitch on just who you are and how like that journey began for you? Um. Sure. So I've been playing since 2001 when the game came out, uh, but my actual involvement with Revival started in like late 2017-ish through the Facebook group when I met Stefan and the other people on the Revival team. And I just became an active member posting a lot of deck lists. Um, I actually did like a card uh, like a highlighted card every two or three weeks. I did like a monthly deck I would post, um, and just starting conversations that way. Um, and then I just became more and more active with that kind of stuff. Uh, lots of conversations with people, um, until I eventually pitched two potential cards for revival cards. And that was kind of the catalyst for starting, uh, Revival's fan-made sets. And then everything from there just kind of really took off. And then I got my hands into a lot of different pots in the Revival, uh, group. Uh, but mainly awesome. Revival of Cards. That's fair. So I guess that leads us to some of our first questions. So how many people are on the Revival team and who would you say is responsible for the Revival? Uh, so Stefan is responsible for the revival from starting it to, uh, organizing the events and pretty much setting up a lot of what is set up. Uh, so he kind of is running a lot of that on the actual revival team. Uh, there's probably somewhere between 10 and 15 people that do various things. They don't all have their hands in every single pot. Uh, there's very few of us that are in every single pot. Uh, but there, there's probably between 10, 10 and 15 that do various things from building, uh, the website for Accio to designing new cards to working on gameplay platforms to managing the Discord and Facebook. 
um, managing Facebook uh, in Europe when we're asleep in America and then vice versa. Uh, so there, there's quite a large team, I think, for a dead game um, and just people who are involved in those kinds of things. Super cool. So when it comes to the revival, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about like, so I know that this is probably more of a question for um, Stefan. Is it Stefan or Stefan? I guess I can ask him that too, but. Stefan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Stefan. So, um, so I noticed that, cause I've never been to like a tabletop convention myself, you know, but like uh, for like tabletop games and stuff like that. But I, I do know that like the revival team or like the, like Harry Potter TCG revival is a thing that's known in like the tabletop con. So that was just sort of something that, you know, he just said, Hey, I'm going to, I guess, call up and, and see if we can do this. Or is it, I mean, I, I guess I'm just kind of curious to see like how that whole thing unfolded and were have you ever done a like revival tabletop event with them? So uh, that whole story, I will let Stefan tell one day uh, because <laughs> he, he knows it much better than I do. And he, he's the one who drove all of that. So I don't want to dive yeah, into sure. that realm. Uh, and when I became heavily involved, which was uh, designing the sets and whatnot, was in the summer of 2019. And my job for three years uh, took a summer trip with our students from the end of July to beginning of August. And so I was never able to go to Gen Con because of my job. I have since gotten a new job and then COVID happened. So yeah. uh, I still yeah. cannot go to a tabletop event, which yeah. is unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But we do do the online events and stuff like that. Um, sure. And we do plan to go back to Gen Con. Not this year, uh, just because of COVID still and whatnot, regardless of what Gen Con ends up doing. Uh, but in the future, hopefully 2022, we'll, we'll be back. Very cool. Yeah. And I think, uh, all of us plan to go for sure. I think, I think everybody's so eager just to like meet all the people that yeah. we've been chatting with and all that stuff. So that, oh that'd God, be really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the group of us amazing. have grown so much and yeah. the people who like talk now and play every week and just have, I mean, it's grown so, so much in the past year and a half. And so when we can all meet in person, like, like you said, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah. Yes. Super stoked. Um, well, that leads us to our next question. Can you elaborate on the Wizards of the Coast fan policy? Because I saw somebody on a YouTube comment somewhere saying how they were just like, oh, what the Revival team is doing is illegal. And I know that to not be the case, but for any of our listeners who doesn't understand, can you maybe explain that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you can read the official policy on Wizards' website, which I highly encourage anybody to do. Um, but essentially what they uh, say on their website is that you are allowed to use, um, I think it's like the likeness of any of their IPs um, or any of their uh, game mechanics if it is entirely free and you're not making any money off of it, which we are making no money off of this project. And uh, there's, I think, five different stipulations as to the guidelines to follow, that being the first one. Um, and the other ones are along the lines of uh, don't use copyrighted artwork if it's not yours, uh, that that kind of stuff. There's one about if any of your material ends up being um, ends up hurting somebody in some kind of way, you can no longer use our material. Uh, so there's just kind of general stuff like that. Uh, but as long as it remains entirely free and it's not hurting people, you're allowed to use their um, card designs and stuff like that. Definitely. Nice. And I guess that does lead us to like 
where did you come up with this art? Because there's so many cards, like how did you <laughs> contact so many artists? Like where, where did that begin and how many artists would you estimate are involved? Um, that's a really great, great question in terms of how many. Uh, so the process of contacting artists takes anywhere from like six to nine months. It's a lot yeah. of reaching out to artists through various platforms. Uh, I think that I've used four or five different platforms to contact artists through, uh, searching for a lot of artwork, searching for very creative phrases to represent certain things. Um, and then reaching out to them, explaining what we are, what we're doing, uh, asking permission and how they want to be credited, uh, and telling them that we can't pay you. We're sorry about that, but we are going to credit you. So hopefully people can look for your artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Absolutely. there's at least one artist, um, who had some pieces in HOS and will have some pieces in POA, uh, Vlad. And I've heard He's of so people good. who have gone. Yeah, right. He's oh, incredible. Um, yeah, he's he's fantastic. He was one of the first people I found. Uh, and he said we can use any of his pieces as long as we keep everything free, which we do. And I've uh, heard people go to his websites and download either stuff for wallpaper on their laptops. I actually have a print of his. I have two prints of his hanging in my apartment. Um, absolutely love it. Uh, so in HOS, I, you, you can look on Akio and find the actual number of um, artists involved. I would say there's probably... 40 to 50 artists involved in HOS. That number is growing for POA, uh, which is very exciting because I love bringing in new artists. Um, And the cool thing is that some artists have actually come back and wanted to draw more stuff. I've had some people reach out to me and say, what can I draw? I'm interested. Um, So we probably have between 10 and 12 custom artists at this point who just want to draw stuff and contribute, uh, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that's really good. And also sort of connects with our next question because we are very interested in knowing, um, for the next sets and whatnot. Do you all like have a specific guidelines for the artists? As in, like, do you give them the descriptions in the books versus the movies? Is it up to the artist? Like, how does that process play out? Mm -hmm. So, um, I try to be as hands-off as possible with the artists. Uh, this is their work. Um, as somebody who studied creative writing in school um, and has like been in contests and whatnot, I don't want my art to be changed and altered and that kind of stuff. And I also don't want to be told what to write in the same way that I don't want to dictate what artists do. I want them to have their own stamp on the pieces. I want people to be able to look at it and say, this belongs to a certain artist. Um, and I want them to express how they view Harry Potter because people have very specific ideas of what Harry Potter looks like. That is not the movie. And that's pretty much the hard line I draw is it cannot be movie related. Um, I, I just don't want that coming into this because everything else Harry Potter is that and I just I don't yeah, want no, the, the movie part. Yeah. And what's really cool... As fans, uh, we, we all want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, one of the artists from HOS uh, contact, I, I contacted him and said do you want to draw stuff for POA? And uh, by the way, HOS for those who don't know was Air of Slytherin. It was the second set for Chamber of Secrets that we released in our, our first set and then POA is just what I'm calling the block for Prisoner of Azkaban, um, all the sets involved. And so I contacted him and I said, do you want to draw for uh, POA because your pieces from HOS were amazing and very well received? And he said, yes, that's my favorite book. And so he went yes. back and he's going to draw uh, the serious pieces 
Um, and Ooh. he said, I have a very specific idea of what he looks like from the book. That's not Gary Oldman. Mm -hmm. Can I do that? And I said, I'm Please not, do. yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to restrict you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he sent me the artwork and it's phenomenal. It's wow. beautiful. Like I, I can't wait to share it with everybody. It's so good. Um, so oh, when that organically happens and artists are like, I have this idea. Can I do this? I'm like, go ahead and do it. Uh, my best friend, Sophia, drew three pieces for HOS. She's going to draw some more for uh, POA. And she's like, can I do these pieces, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, they're yours. And then she draws them and they're always incredible. And I don't give her any direction. I just say, this is now yours. Have fun. Um, That's so, amazing. Yeah, the, the artists are just incredible. And I, I love seeing the artwork. Uh, it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, I, I just love it all. Definitely. And that's one question I had for you is, does the Revival team intend on creating sets that will cover the remaining books in the series, like POA and on? Because like, man, I, I sure hope that's the case, but that seems like a very big undertaking. Right. Uh, so very large undertaking, uh, very long undertaking, which I think is the important right. thing for people to know. Um, because we have to plan for future sets and we have to work it into classic as well and how those sets work with what we're making. Mm -hmm. Um, and then other future ideas that we have as well. Uh, so we plan to continue doing it, but it will probably be a long process. Yeah. Um, a very, very long process, uh, but a rewarding <laughs> process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very, totally. very, uh, happy for all of us. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I noticed that when I was like reading some of the cards from from HOS, there's some like verbiage in there that implies multiplayer, and I didn't really uh, like just just from someone who plays like classic, right? And I think all of us kind of came from that same perspective where we're like, wait, what? <laughs> so yes. so can you kind of like elaborate on that, or if that's the case? Because I also made a comment in Discord one time. And um, that said something like, you know, I, I haven't played multiplayer as some of these cards indicate. And I was kind of shut down and was like, no, that's not the that's not that these cards are not for multiplayer. And I was like, OK, so I was a little bit confused. Um, but yeah, just I mean, if you want to elaborate a little bit on that, because some of them do read like that. So, yeah, uh, so that is intentional. Um, and I'm not sure who said that that's not what the cards are for, because that's exactly we'll why. nameless. Yeah, which is fine, which is fine. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't want them named. <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. I don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> choose an opponent, so I think Correct. it's pretty yes. clear. Yeah, yeah. That's so right. we, exactly. we designed them to be <laughs> multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, and I um, hate them too. Okay. Yeah. They just choose their um, opponent themselves. Or their, anyways, this stupid joke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not sure what multiplayer would look like in terms of, is, you know, is this going to be EDH where it's a free-for-all? Is this going to be a two-on-two -two, um, and, you know, you choose one of the two players? Is it going to be some other variation of multiplayer? We don't know. Uh, we've tested some different formats with multiplayer um, and whatnot. And so even though it says choose an opponent, you can always just choose the one person. Mm -hmm. um, and if we never get to the multiplayer arena, at least we have these cards going forward, being able to easily adapt them to multiplayer. And that's really the idea. We don't know what's going to happen in five years. If multiplayer happens, now now we're set to go. So that's really the, the purpose behind it. I would love to do like a two-on-two -two sort of thing, probably with varied rules of some sort. Not sure what they would be. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. 
I also really love doing two-on-two matches in Magic, um, and back when I played Yu-Gi-Oh! and whatnot. So we'll uh, see what happens with that. But that that's something we, we would like. Cool. Super cool. Yeah, no, I can imagine yeah. it working out pretty well. I, I want to even just try it with like three people just going head to head and see which wizard lasts out of that situation. But very uh, exciting. So that's another question I have for you. If, once we do get back to like post COVID times and we're able to go to Gen <laughs> Con and stuff, uh, will there be like a specific like classic version of like traditional play and the, the Harris Lutheran? Or is there like a hybrid? How does that work like in tournament play? Mm hmm. Uh, so the current plan is to do two separate tournaments, one for classic and one for revival and paper. Um, okay. And then we would just adapt all the rules that we're currently using uh, online, um, and we would adapt them all to in-person. Uh, but the goal would be to have both of those events running. Um, the goal for three to four years from now is to expand that a little bit, uh, and we'll kind of see what happens with that, but we want to expand oh, that. Wow. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, um, I play, I personally just play like more classic. Um, and I noticed that there were a couple people that I played with that would ask me, you know, okay, are you doing revival? Are you doing classic? Uh, this and that. And I think, you know, what they ended up referring to were like the banned cards or the restricted cards because that's, that's a revival thing, you know, it's so, like the caught by yes. Snape and the, um, Dobby's disappearance, etc. So could you just maybe elaborate on what is banned, what is restricted, and like the thought process behind that, just so that, you know, like all of us and then all our listeners as well can just kind of learn like what, I mean, besides the fact that these cards are just brutal and you're just like, oh, caught by Snape? Okay, great. You know, because it's like, I mean, because, because yes, that is... Uh, shitty, right? Because you have like a cop by Snape or you have someone who has four Dobby's disappearance, but because of the brutality of the story in, in some of the adventures or, you know, whatever the case is, that also kind of flows, I suppose, with some stories or some adventures that, that we create when we think of the, the decks that we make. So just curious yeah. on that. Yeah. Uh, so the discussions for the ban list were literally a three or four week discussion. And every other day it was like a two or three hour call. Uh, oh, wow. It was not made lightly. It was a very, very long conversation. There was a huge list of cards to discuss, to potentially add to it. Uh, and our goal with the ban list was uh, not to destroy certain strategies or whatever, but it was to remove the cards that make the game unfun mm-hmm. or right. that break the game's, what I call the um, action economy in the game, which I think that all the cards that we banned essentially do that. So that was kind of the idea behind why we banned the cards that we banned from Revival. Uh, and a side note I just want to say is you can use all the cards however you want in Classic. And our intention is to leave Classic alone. People like Classic. People just want the original five sets. They want to play it as Wizards left it. Um, I think Wizards was probably going to work toward a ban list in the next year, uh, regardless of them not doing it, but then they shut everything down, so that's a different story. Um, so people can do whatever they want in Classic. Right. And we will revisit the ban list in Revival as stuff changes, as new cards are introduced, uh, as new oppressive strategies kind of pop up. And uh, I've seen comments that you know certain decks that win a Classic event might not run any of the banned cards, um, or, you know, they might, whatever the situation is. Uh, and the point isn't that you can't uh, win without these cards, 
The point is, it makes it unfun, and it just breaks what the game is supposed to do. That's why cards get banned. Cards don't get banned because we're like, oh, this is in every single deck that's winning, and you can't win without it. Uh, so right. that's our thought process behind it, and a lot of people are confused as to that thought process. So I think that's a very important uh, thing to clear up. Yeah. Definitely. No, I appreciate that perspective on it. Definitely. Because, yeah, I, I want to have fun when I'm playing and that uh, knowing that that's the intent is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there were uh, there were times where I would play against somebody who had four caught by Snape in their deck. <laughs> and oh, um, at that point, I was like, so are you trying to, like, tell me something or like, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's that that's exactly right. And I think I think that, that is a good point for everybody who knows. Uh, who has played the game. And I, I think, you know, you guys in the, on the Revival team probably know more about what Wizards might have done just given how long you've been playing and sort of like how other card games may have gone. Uh, I'm not very familiar, as these guys know. I only play the Harry Potter TCG. I don't play any other card game. Same here. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And so, you know, for me, I'm like, you know, some some card games might have a banned list that Wizards of the Coast, for example, that put on. But I think it's a good point to make because if there's a card that's a little bit too brutal, for me, um, I remember when I took out Caught by Snape in my decks, it also allowed the creativity to mm -hmm. flow and see, well, what is it that I can put in my deck in its place that would still make it a really good winning deck. Because if you're winning because you played Caught by Snape, then you have to think, like, well, is your deck good, or did you just lock down your opponent because of, like, massive control? And so I understand that you're right. not trying to take, you know, like, a really good card out just because it wins, but at one point you have to ask yourself, but is it the card that's just doing this, or is it your actual deck and all the auxiliary cards that you use? So Definitely. Exactly. One thing that we also want and we try to be aware of uh, in regards to the ban list as well is we want people to create uh, fun decks and mm -hmm. diverse decks. Mm -hmm. We don't want someone to take the same 40 to 45 cards and then just swap out 10 cards and call it a new deck. We hope that people will be forced to build a more diverse deck uh, with a ban list. I mean, you can't play Caught by Snape, so what do you do? Well, there's other adventures. Okay, these other adventures, you know, restrict actions or restrict whatever. Which ones work better against certain kinds of decks? I mean, Caught by Snape pretty much works against every single deck. Mm -hmm. But the other ones that make you discard your hand or reveal a card with power eight or more or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you can sideboard out and whatnot. But Caught by Snape, you're not going to be able to side, you're just going to keep it. Right. So the the goal is to, as you said, create more deck diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't want to go crazy with a ban list. It really is um, a very conservative thing in terms of the cards that go on there. Um, but uh, over the past year, because we released it actually a year ago in May, um, so or June 1st. So over the past year, uh, we've been having weekly Harry Potter events on Tuesday nights. Um, and we've been watching what decks do really well. Uh, what cards are just very common and are maybe too oppressive or whatever. And so there's some stuff uh, that is on a watch list. Um, and we're going to revisit it after um, our next big event and change it if we need to. Very nice. cool. Yeah. And um, more about just like a quick bit about, uh, I'm sure you you know about this Sammy uh, playing Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and all these cards. Uh, but for Mona, Douglas, and our listeners... When you are starting a game, such as, for example, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic the Gathering, the first sets, 
basically everyone had the same decks. Like in Magic mm. the Gathering, you have everyone with some cards that just ramp you up really quick, called the Moxen and the Black Lotus. And then Yu-Gi-Oh, you had like these really powerful cards that are now mostly forbidden. Like you can't use in the in the, <laughs> yep. in the more like sanctioned format. And I remember like we all had the same decks and maybe we added like two cards and that was our difference. Exactly. Uh, so that, yeah. that's the aspect of diversity that Sam is highlighting that, you know, right. just historically happens in most games as more cards are added in and people just want to put it's everything in. It kills yeah. the fun. Right. Yeah. And we we are kind of in that beginning phase with Harry Potter. Yeah, there's the five classic sets. Uh, but in terms of the game's popularity, which seems to be increasing, and the strategies that people are finding and whatnot, uh, it really hasn't been played in any kind of competitive manner for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. So we're almost in that uh, infant stage again, mm-hmm. like like you just said. Um, and I think after we get three or four more revival sets out and we kind of focus on certain strategies or whatnot, uh, deck diversity will expand even more, um, especially with some of the starter characters that we are releasing with POA. Nice. Um, it's really going to help some starter diversity. Oh, yeah. Uh, w- which will be great. But it's it's going to take some time it'll take some sets being released and and that growing pain definitely right and just before we move on because i had one Mm -hmm. art question to see if you knew where this came out of and it's actually from the just chamber of secrets set because in the box we see the sword of gryffindor it's like a saber like an like a a, a, i forgot how you say it uh it has this huge rubies in the hilt but just looks like a saber and then we have the Hair of Slithering uh, interpretation is a little bit more of a classical sword. Um, I don't remember really from the books, but it's just interesting when I when I saw this. And I don't know, you playing the game and being a big part of the rival group, I don't know what you think about that art of, <laughs> of the saber. So, yeah, I've actually never liked that particular artwork <laughs> with this, with like the more of the saber kind of thing. Uh it looks more, I think it's called like a rapier or whatever mm-hmm. it is or something like that. Or and a scimitar it, maybe? Yeah. I'm not even sure. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it, that. It doesn't look sword-like to me. Because I picture uh, like this massive, almost like Excalibur yeah. sort of sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the four founders were supposed to be this more like medieval mm-hmm. sort of situation. So I picture more of Excalibur, more of like the artwork and drawing the sword uh, than I do that artwork on chamber of secrets yeah and i love most of the original artwork just that one piece i've never really jived with yeah that that <laughs> sword is definitely aladdin and the king of thieves yeah like that's, that's kind right. of like yeah like you know it's like a little like yes. hint of that with like a small bit of like you know some something crazy going on but it, yeah it definitely reminds me of that for sure yeah it's just, just an interesting choice and it yeah. wasn't even in the set so just always i like always to talk about that little sword so uh that sword that you see is actually not the complete artwork uh there's about half of that artwork that is hidden uh and i felt very bad when i said to sophia we're gonna cut this down uh but we we cut it down that way we could preserve the actual sword card for mm. when it's more important later on that's oh, why okay. you don't yeah. see an mm. actual um sort of gryffindor in the set yeah. um, oh very because cool. it it feel weird to do a second sort of gryffindor when they start using it to uh mm-hmm. destroy uh the horcruxes and whatnot of course so that's kind of the story behind that uh so the actual artwork itself the full artwork is very beautiful uh Hopefully you'll see it one day, but it's really beautiful. <laughs> That'd be great, yeah. S- super cool. 
Um, all right, now here's a loaded question. Are there any plans for introducing a new lesson type, or would that greatly complicate things? <laughs> uh, it greatly complicates things. Uh, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> greatly complicates yeah. things. Um, I, I can't say uh, whether we're going to do that Fair. or not. Um, all I can say is conversations are happening. There's different ways that you can handle uh, the new lesson type. Um, and we're discussing all of those possibilities. We're discussing what it means for future sets and kind of the ideas that we've discussed for those sets, no. uh, any of the strategies, any of the themes, the cards, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it greatly complicates things. I mean, so Wizards of the Coast, up until about a year ago, did a really great job with a magic color pie. And now they're just like, what's a color pie? Who cares? And they're just doing all kinds of weird stuff with it. Um, very apparent in the current Strixhaven spoilers that came out today. Um, the color pie for Harry Potter was just like, doesn't exist. And so we have started to build out the color pie kind of with what stuff does and started to group stuff in certain ways. Um, and we're going to try to strengthen where on the color pie certain things are um, as we design new sets. And so adding in a six color into that color pie is going to drastically shift a whole lot. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, if, if it does happen, it's going to be a lot of thought behind it and how it's going to shift. If it doesn't happen, uh, we'll approach it in a different way. We have ideas for both, um, but you'll have to wait and see kind of what happens. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. fair enough. I'm asking the tough questions. <laughs> for sure. You know, I just... <laughs> no, which is fine. Yeah. Which is totally fine. I just was thinking, like, if if he said yes, I'm like, okay, so am I going to shift every single one of my decks to add this new... <laughs> and yeah. Exactly. Yeah, which which is a huge complication. Like, yeah, just, sure. I mean, because when they added yeah. in Quidditch, um, and I, I actually think Quidditch is a good lesson type. It just... It's got its own pitfalls. But when they added that in, it was hard to just kind of slot it into the existing colors, which already had very strong relations. Um, so a new lesson type would be difficult for that reason as well. Um, mm -hmm. But we're discussing totally. it. So. Cool. Yeah, that is that is pretty crazy. Um, so I guess next question would be, what what's your favorite set from all of the original, I guess, you know, like the, the first the first five? What would be your favorite set? Uh, it is a tie between Quidditch Cup and Diagon Alley, uh, and it's mm. a tie because uh, Quidditch is my favorite lesson type. So, Me too. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, love Quidditch. It's fantastic. Potions is really becoming his close second at this point, uh, yes. but I love Quidditch a lot, um, and uh, that's why I love Quidditch Cup. And then I also like Diagon Alley because it introduced uh, locations. And mm -hmm. I think locations are very interesting. And I also think that the artwork for Diagon Alley is just fantastic. Uh, out of all the sets, that's probably my favorite artwork as a set. Um, and I, I just love the look of it. Totally. What is it that you like about Quidditch so much? Like it just the cards and in, in their brutality or like, or what is it? <laughs> no. Art, uh, <laughs> so it all goes back to nostalgia. Uh, it goes back to two... Two, two points. Uh, the first one is I had built a Quidditch deck when cards were coming out, um, when I was eight, nine, whatever I was. Uh, and I played three month long match mm. and I just always wanted to make mm. it work. Uh, so part of it is just <laughs> this childhood yes. wanting that to happen. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing is, right? That card, that card. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, Sophia, who grew up down, down the street from me and draws art for this, uh, 
her and I, you know, we had robes and we had wands. Uh, she actually made the wands, uh, which was awesome. And we would play Harry Potter all day long, every day. And we would also play Quidditch in the backyard. Uh, you know, play Quidditch as in we would have brooms that we would fly around on. Uh, we got garbage cans. And then we would just chuck soccer balls at each other. And it was, <laughs> yeah. a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and so I just have always loved Quidditch for that too. And I'm also an athlete. I mean, I run about five to six miles every other day. I played soccer for 14 years. So just kind of the sport, uh, right. the sport idea is also really appealing to me too. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's always cool. Yeah. It's cool to have like those memories, you know, like when, when you're a kid playing those, playing the Harry Potter game or, you know, anything like that. So I could definitely see why it would, uh, why Quidditch is your fave. That's really cool. Yeah. I think we, we yeah. all have had to use the broom at some point. If you're a Harry Potter <laughs> fan and, you know, try to do something with flying. Oh, I tried yeah. it like for yeah. one minute, gave up and then went to the pool. But I definitely <laughs> tried to play Quidditch, but I just had a small backyard, so it wasn't possible. Sad. I tried going I mean, I Super Saiyan for too. Dragon Ball Z, so yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> EBZ. Water, water, my parents, water, yeah. My, my parents had actually bought me a Nimbus 2000 or 2001 uh, when I was a child. And it, it was like two and a half yeah. feet long. It was super short. <laughs> also had and it was like this horrible plasticky stuff, yeah. but it was fantastic. That's <laughs> so cool. All right. Well, this question, I, I feel like you already answered if you, if I was going to ask myself, but what's your personal favorite card from Heir of Slytherin? We're already talking about uh, the Sword of Gryffindor. That's my favorite because it distributes the damage across multiple creatures, an ability I wanted from day one of That's really game. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that we could do that for you. Uh, yes. Very glad we could do that. And that card went through so many iterations in terms of effects and whether it was going to be an item or a spell, so many. Um, and the big change came when we decided to hold off on the Sword of Gryffindor because that was originally the Sword of Gryffindor. And then when we made the decision to wait, uh, it turned into what it is. Um, and I do love that effect because it's unique in Transfigurations. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That doesn't do that in anything else. Um we may not do that again in Transfiguration because it does bend the color pie. And I just said that we want to try to strengthen it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. But my favorite card from HOS, uh, in terms of artwork, um, the cards by uh, Peter, um, the the whole Aragog uh, series is Ooh, just yeah. beautiful. Oh uh, he gosh. did a fantastic job. He yeah. actually went back and reread the Aragog chapter. And then sat on it for a few days nice. and took notes and then sent me like 12 sketches. And he's like, which of these do you want as cards? And I'm like, I'm not an art director. <laughs> all you of them. You want. You're- <laughs> yeah, all, of yeah, them. all of them and send me those sketches via owl. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so good. Yeah. So in terms of artwork, those are my favorite. And then uh, I have been, you know, best friends with Sophia since I was four. And her so art cool. has always been like one of my favorite things. And I love her artwork. It is so on point to the original style of the game that the nostalgia for her artwork is just beautiful. Nice. I love it. Uh, so those are my favorite artworks, I think. But I love them all. They're all just beautiful. Mm. Uh, favorite card, I think, just because of Quidditch, would have to be the Quaffle. Uh, oh, yeah. People have wanted a Quaffle for a very long time. Uh, I wanted a Quaffle for a long time. And it helps... It kind of helps to fix some Quidditch stuff because it searches the match while still giving you a lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does some stuff like that, which I think is good. Um, for potential future stuff that we might do, potentially in Quidditch, I would say my second favorite Quidditch-specific card would be Quidditch Plaque. 
which lets you play. It's essentially a hair care potion for Quidditch players and then fetches one back. Uh, but we want to expand that. Um, and I think that the World Cup is going to give us some really great room to do that. Um, awesome. And my most used card is probably Cauldron Calamity, mm. uh, which is just a fun game ending card. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The artwork's fantastic as well. Uh, so that's those are probably my top three. Excellent. Yeah, Very good. Very cool. I'm curious, though, what do you all like best from uh, HOS? From HOS? I'm always curious to hear what people say. Yeah, that was definitely, mine was sort of Gryffindor. How about Mona or Emilio? For me, it's definitely the Tom Riddle, because I think that it's needed. Ooh. It's good to have that option of just splashing rainbow colors in your deck. Um, so I like that uh, ability. Yeah. That is a great one. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, I, I definitely like um, Tom Riddle. You know, for me, I would have to say uh, Gilderoy. The the and and like we talked <laughs> about before. I mean, Vlad just just all pretty much pretty much all of the art. Wandering Nocturne is um is like one of those cards for me where I'm like. That is exactly what it's supposed to look like, like in yeah. my brain, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's a good card. <laughs> it's a really good adventure. So, so yeah, um, I, I would have to say, just just for the sake of having one, I would say Wandering Nocturne for sure. And some ones yeah. I want to shout out, Armando Dippet. That character is wild. I love that. It yeah. Would be, it's like a great one to start with, uh, depending if so, you build your deck real, around that. Real quick aside. Yeah. I love tribal. Um, I'm a huge tribal player. Mm -hmm. Uh, plants is my favorite deck in Harry Potter. Uh, but then in like, uh, magic, I, uh, play merfolk and dinos. I just love tribal. (laughs) And I wanted a card that helped houses Mm. because I wanted to build out the houses. Um, and it was just like the perfect, uh, starting character for houses. Love Armando. Fantastic starting character. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes. That's a good call. Another interesting one is Lucius's cane. Yes. It's like a potions yes, card yes, that yes. provides charms, power, yeah. like the, the dual line. <laughs> wicked. Dual line yeah, we need some yeah. more of that. Yeah, uh, we have talked actually about that color bending kind of stuff with one color providing a different color. And Cain uh, was kind of the first uh, foray into that realm. And Cain, I think, is a very powerful card. Yeah. Uh, it it does a lot. Um, it provides a lesson. It does damage. It really helps to capitalize on um, extra actions, which is what this game really thrives on. So, like, it's just a phenomenal card, top to bottom. Um, so, we would like to do more kind of color bending stuff like that. Not sure what we're going to do and where it's going to come, but we would like to do more like that. But that card is fantastic. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. All right. We're wrapping up here soon. We only have a few final questions and then actually a few uh, listener submitted ones as well. But uh, this one's a- another tough one. Are there any details that you feel comfortable sharing with us about the upcoming Prisoner of Azkaban sets? Particularly, I'm guessing like an- a timeline of when that may be coming. Uh, no worries if you cannot speak Just on give this. us a list of all the cards and uh, we'll <laughs> yeah. take that PDF from you whenever you get a minute. There we go. <laughs> yeah, let's just cut it. Um... So, uh, the goal is to have, uh, so it's, uh, gonna be a block. Uh, so if you play magic, um, you're kind of used to the block system. So it's just a group of stuff clumped together. Uh, it's going to be in three sets. Um, one of the sets is not what you would think of when it comes to Harry Potter set. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see hmm. kind of what happens. Exciting. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm very excited about it. Uh, so it's gonna be three. Uh, the first one we are hoping will come out late summer, fall. Um, 
I think a lot of it hinges on the conversation about lesson types and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's that's the goal uh, to have it come out then. A lot of the classic cards that you all are expecting are uh, going to be in it. Um, a lot of the characters, uh, a lot of the creatures um, are going to be in it, which is super exciting. Uh, Crookshanks will not most likely be in POA 1 uh, in the way that you think that Crookshanks is. So that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> I love all these clues. Love the cryptic details. Yeah, yes. it's uh, like... Uh, it'll, just... it'll all make sense months from now. <laughs> yeah, it will. Yeah. Uh, people who like owls, you're welcome. Mm. Oh, yes. Uh, there will be... Um, hopefully, I love cycles in Magic. Uh, magic has a lot of cycles with, like, all the colors do one thing and, you know, they share kind of something. We did the cycles with the books in HOS. I think cycles are a really fun thing. Uh, so the goal is to have a cycle uh, in the set, which will also be a lot of fun. Um, and if it's the card that I'm hoping it will be, uh, it'll be quite an interesting cycle, too. Uh, very curious to see how that's going to happen. Uh, you're going to get two serious cards, which will be fun. Nice. Um, very, Seriously? Very get it? No. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I had to. <laughs> Yes. It was the listener submitted. It's right comment. there. I was really just confused why he meant by serious cards like, for two seconds. Uh, <laughs> um, Divination will be making an appearance, but it will not be a lesson type. So uh, clearing that up right off the yeah. bat because yeah. everybody wants it. And That's I'm like, a good call. Enough. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's not enough, but Divination will be in it uh, and it'll be a lot of fun, which means everybody's favorite professor is going <laughs> to be in it. Yes. Um, yeah, she's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you will probably end up getting, uh, Starter Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Oh! Which will be a lot of fun. What? That is a wild one. I am excited. <laughs> Mic drop! That, that sounds perfect. <laughs> it, 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 it makes sense. I don't want to dive too far into it, but he's a professor at this yes. point. Yes! So. Dope. Yes. I mean, there's... There, there's also conversation about Hagrid, and I'm, I'm not going to say anything about his effect um, or how he's going to be a parallel to other existing professors. Mm. Um, sure. But he was always a wizard. Mm -hmm. He was never not a wizard. Right. right. He just like he could do magic. He had a wants. You know, he just wasn't like legally allowed right. to do magic in public. But he was never not a wizard. Right. Uh, so the choice to make him not a wizard was an interesting one. Uh, I think by Wizards of right. the Coast, um, and he has since been exonerated of his crimes. Um, yes. So he's. I mean, it's it's never made clear, but is he now allowed to do magic, and is he now a wizard again in Harry Potter canon after Book Two? Yeah. Right. Very confusing. Uh, but yeah, he'll he'll be a starter character, which will be a lot of fun. I'm that very is... excited about that. Yeah. Um, so flavorful. So, that is so you, you were saying that he heals creatures. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what he's going to do. I'm not going to tell you what he's going to do, but he's going to do some fun you, stuff. You didn't mention this, right? Stuff. Mona, you didn't hear it? Emilio. <laughs> All right, no, this is actually oh, a crazy funny. question. This is the last one of our questions I think we have for you, but in future uh, in-person events like Gen Con, do, would you guys consider doing something like uh, promo editions of revival cards? And the reason you could get away with that is because you're giving them away for free. Just an idea. Uh, is, is that something you would even uh, entertain? So, as I've already said, the artwork for the sword is not complete, and you all oh. have not seen it. Ooh, you all okay. have also not seen uh, Aragog's Lair, so uh, the dude who drew that entire series. 
you've not seen half of that artwork because it's hidden behind uh, part of the location. Yes. So, Yo, That's I just have to, have to say, say, Sammy's a great storyteller, yo. Like, I'm sitting here, like, on the edge of my seat, like, wait, hold on. You mean to tell me that it was a knife in the kitchen? Like, I'm just sitting here, like, oh, my God. All right, yeah. cool, cool. There's there's a lot of artwork uh, that uh, we, we – okay, so we don't alter any artwork. Mm. I don't want – you know, artists make something – I am proud of what they make. And so we don't like change colors and like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't fit in the frame or if it's hidden, then it's just hidden or you can't see that part of the artwork, but we don't like, you know, alter artwork. Yeah. Uh, right. I don't think that's morally correct. So there's yeah. pieces of art that you all have not seen pieces of just because it doesn't fit in the frame. That makes wow. perfect sense. Wild. And you may actually see that sooner than you think. Oh, Sammy keeps oh, dropping mics. How many Look mics do you have back there, the Sammy? Right there. <laughs> He's got a bag full of People, mics. If you're not excited, I don't know. <laughs> I really do. Excited. Yo, that's it's dope. It's dope. Pumped. Uh, well, that leads us to our listener-submitted questions. We only have three of them, so I guess each of us could take one of these. Uh, Michael Young asks, which book is your favorite of the series? Uh, or movie if you haven't read the books. And I'm assuming you've read the books. <laughs> a few times, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have. Actually, uh, they're behind me, and I have Harry Potter bookends. That is Harry going into the platform. Nice. Three quarters, uh, oh, and coming my. Out that of is it, so which cool. Is really cool. Love that. Um, I've read all the books, and uh, I have also read Quidditch Through the Ages and Fantastic Beasts, which has quite a bit of material in it. Mm. Nice. Um, so I would say my favorite book is probably uh, one of the first ones, either one or two, just because the introduction to magic and like yeah. the world uh, just holds a place in my heart from when I was a child. Uh, when I was a kid, I read this. I read Artemis Fowl, and then I read his Dark Materials, and those were, and then uh, also Lord of the Rings, and those were like my fantasy four series that I read. Um, yep. And this was like my first big foray into magic in the world. I was six when the first one came out. Um, and so the first two books just hold a really special place. Nice, that makes Very sense. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next question is Nolan Lee, and he asks, have you ever seen a mechanic from another game that you immediately wanted to do a version of for new Harry Potter sets of some sort, and what was it? Um, I can't think of any particular mechanic uh, that I've seen, you know, like uh, Flash or... Um, I don't know, like Ward is coming out in uh, Strixhaven or stuff like that. Um, and I, there, there's some things that cards do and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I think it'd be neat to have that in a set. Uh, but no, like general sweeping, sweeping mechanics. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is, uh, we want this game to be different than magic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people compare them, uh, because the mana is kind of the same in the two in terms of how that functions. Uh, but the games are vastly different in terms of their gameplay. Mm-hmm. And so much more. Uh, so we don't just want to reskin magic mechanics into this. Uh, I don't think it's the way to go. I think it would make this too much like magic. And then at that point, what's the point of playing other than the IP? Uh, mm-hmm. right. So this needs to remain unique. And the way to do that, I think, is really to um, not take too much influence from other games. Uh, I will say, uh, I wouldn't call this a mechanic, more of like a design thing that people do. There's uh, the top, down, and bottom-up design uh, 
um, ideas that people have that Magic uses when they design a set. Uh, so we kind of take that philosophy depending on what we're doing when we design a set. Um, and I also really love the idea of cycles. I mean, I brought it up earlier. Um, we have the book cycle from HOS, uh, two of which actually see more play than I thought, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and we're going to have a cycle coming up in POA1, uh, most likely. And so I did want that to be brought in. Uh, but lots of card games do cycles, so I don't think that's like a specific card game thing. Uh, that's right. pretty common. Hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. Awesome. And then we have uh, another question by a mystery person, but I'm sure you can guess. Uh, and the question is, who is your favorite character and why is it Colin Creevy? Or Colin <laughs> so that's Stefan's question because he yes. loves Colin, which I never, I mean, Colin's a fine character, but like I've never enjoyed starting uh, Colin. Uh, <laughs> my favorite starter, though, is actually Armando. Um, yes. either Armando or Angelina, mm. uh, just because of the Quidditch aspect. Right. Um, I love Hell it. Yeah. yeah. And Armando will most likely get much better in a couple of sets. Um, we're also going to, uh, we're playing with the idea of releasing mini sets mm -hmm. that tell kind of side stories. Um, we don't have the the ones in the pipeline. I'm not going to uh, talk about now, um, but I have mentioned two of them so far. So if you're paying attention, yeah, uh, yeah you will be. But, <laughs> but one one example is like the flashback in Air of Slytherin or in um, Chamber of Secrets. I'm sorry, uh, like you know, a 1942 kind of flashback yeah. scene. Mm. Uh, just kind of the stuff that happens there. I mean, Armando kind of comes through with that, mm -hmm. and so does Tom Riddle. Mm, but there's yeah. other stuff in that flashback, like a young wizard, Hagrid, and stuff like that, that could be part of a mini set. That's, you know, 10 to 20 cards and tells a uh, close uh, story um, that gets kind of fills in gaps yeah. um, from what was missed either by wizards or by us. Mm. Very awesome. cool. I like that. That's a good idea. Super cool. And yeah, Stefan will be probably our next guest, so listeners can look forward to that. But we can't thank you enough, Sammy, for joining us tonight. This has been so fun to pick your brain about the Harry Potter trading card games revival. Thank you for all that you're doing with your team. Uh, I've been enjoying it thoroughly, and as I'm sure many people are, it's brought us all together tonight. So uh, it's all thanks to you guys. So keep doing what you're doing, and we really appreciate it. Yes, definitely. No, thank you for doing uh, any of this content creation stuff, because that also helps a lot people having stuff to go listen to and interact with and talk about i mean this is also fantastic yeah awesome. yeah we definitely appreciate your time all of the mics that you've dropped that we will pick up <laughs> uh it's definitely all the promos that you've promised. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's definitely been fun and hopefully we can uh, we could do this again in the future as other sets come out and we can talk about all yeah. of those that'd be great yeah and hopefully yeah we can i'd all be happy to do that in yeah. the future and actually play in person. Yes, exactly. All together. <laughs> yeah, I I'm can't super wait. Excited for that. Yeah. Well, well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Renovate. Let's all say mischief manage. Mischief manage. <laughs> mischief manage. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fair enough.